Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. Oh, Canada, our home and That's right. I, I got nothing else. That's the best I can do, boys. That's pretty good. Thank That's you. Thank good. you, indeed. Hey, and, folks, and quiet, Baldi please. Too. Quiet, please. Golf podcast. I am Alan DeVue, attempting once and only once to sing the national anthem. I've done it many times at a hockey rink, but never on a, on a podcast. But there you go. That's it. That's it, Andy. I, I am joined by Andy Hydorn back from his little uh, sabbatical last week. Yes, I was very sorry to miss last week. It was a good topic, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to take center stage here in a few moments. Perfect. And noted author and founder of Little Linksters, Brendan Elliott. Good evening, gentlemen. And we have a guest, Mr. Hydorn. Would you like to do the honors? Yes, we're honored to have Mike Romatowski with us today. Mike is the founder of Mach 3 Speed, which... I know everybody knows that that speed is the thing that everybody loves to talk about. Um, but I will tell you this, and you'll learn more when you listen to Mike talk, that Mach 3 takes an approach that's different from everybody else. It's effective. It's great. It's good for your body. It's good for your golf swing. Um, and it's an awesome program. So we're looking forward to hearing more about Mach 3. And I am jacked up, Mike, to hear everything you have to say because speed is on the decline for AD. <laughs> Alan's, Alan's at Mach 0.7. So. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to the show. Hey, chime in on anything because we got everything from the putt to the tackle. To the to the social to the social media uh, hijinks, to Andy Hydorn being absent on the week, the week, the week, and we may need to throw in some predictions because guys, it's U.S. Open week. Yeah. Yes, sir. I don't know if we can squeeze it all in in about the next 45, 50 minutes, but we're sure, certainly going to try. And so I don't have to sing again. Uh, Be the putt. How cool is that? I mean, there's been a lot of cool things that have happened this year that have been overshadowed, uh, sadly, by other topics. But getting back to the golf, that was pretty cool. It's in, uh, how many years was it since the Canadian 69. won? 69 1954. Years. And to be honest with you, I saw Corey Connors as the guy getting it done. I didn't see I, Nick I, Teller yeah, on the radar at all. I, I agree. I, I mean, Mike Weir was there. They, they made a note of that. The Weir was there uh, in 2003 against uh, uh, VJ. But, uh, yeah, I did lost not predict the, Nick Taylor. Playoff, right? What's that? Weir lost in the playoff. Yeah, I didn't mm -hmm. predict him to I, – I certainly did not think that Nick Taylor was going to be the guy to get it done, but he, he was a man on a mission. And, uh, you know, 70, 72 feet, longest putt of his career <laughs> – I got to, I, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Hey, Mike, we're going to bring you in real quick then because we like to talk about stuff. The tackle. Have you ever seen more textbook tackle than that action? So it reminded me of Mike Singletary. It's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> Mike Singletary in goal line defense. The way he kind of pushed the other two guys out of the way and he filled the hole. <laughs> and then took him down, and it was funny because it looked like Adam was still trying to spray the guys as he went flying backwards. So it also looked like that guy had planned that he was taking somebody down no matter what. <laughs> and so Adam was like his first opportunity, and he just crushed him. I, I don't. I 
I wish we did have the whiteboard because I would love to to draw this one out because he definitely he read the play. He read it was an option. <laughs> but he, he he moved right, lowered his shoulder properly, did not lead with the crown, so as to <laughs> not get a penalty. I think he was a I think he knocked him back five yards. Yeah. Um, least, there was yeah. definitely an attempt for a forward pass with the continuation of the champagne. <laughs> he, he also, while he tackled him, he still with his other arm went for the champagne with his hand. <laughs> right. It, it was, was very, it was textbook. Very tactical. Yeah. yeah. It was textbook all the way. I mean, they'll probably be using that for 20 years as an instructional video, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I forget. But I forget where I read this, but in true Canadian fashion, I'm just go, hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go his there. Wife. His I'm wife, gonna find right? it. I'm gonna find it. She is hilarious, by the way, on social. As it is, Jessica Hadwin. Yeah. And I quote: "Sorry to leave y'all hanging. Had to get the toddler ready for bed. I'm thrilled to report that Adam Hadwin is still amongst the land of the living, and." In true Canadian fashion, apologize to the security guard for being tackled. <laughs> Can we? Yeah, it, it was funny because it provided probably two of the top moments in golf in the last 20 years within seconds of each other. You know, the yep. butt and then the tackle, and they'll both live forever. It's right up there with uh, the naked streaker at the I was just, uh, Open Championship. I was about to throw it to you. It's not the Peter Jacobson nail the streaker but i mean it's that's certainly still gotta be to be that's still gotta be one yeah. jacobson's can, can we just for a second be serious and acknowledge the fact that and we talk about this a lot i do especially events and venues right none of that would have been special if it weren't for the event and and certainly the venue right and it was just such a, a tremendous opportunity. It didn't matter if it was Nick Taylor. It could have been Adam Hadwin. It could have been Corey Connors. Could have been Taylor Pendrith. Could have been any one of the Canadians. And it and it wouldn't have made a difference, right? But just the the moment itself was just just perfect. Yeah, I I I It'd be the same as Abraham Answer winning in Mexico, or or one of the Brits winning the Open Championship. I mean. It it was special in the Canadians. I mean, sixty nine year drought. It was it was the irony was it was in Ontario because they all must be Leaf fans because their yeah. drought continues. <laughs> that was that was a humorous pop at the hockey team there, Andy. Yes, of course, I, I get it. <laughs> but you know what it did do, and there was some star studded players on the top of that board, and it eliminated. I don't want to take anything away from what Nick Taylor did because he looked like a stone cold assassin down the stretch. I mean, he really did. Um, didn't flinch on any of those putts uh, and, and, and knew the magnitude of the situation. Um, but Mike, would you agree that it, it, it accomplished the real goal, which is to focus it back on the golf and not all the uh, antics that took place earlier in the week. Yeah, it was a perfect tournament from beginning to end. You know, the, the venue was beautiful. The golf was terrific. The whole four rounds, you couldn't come up with a better ending. And uh, I really found myself, I didn't really think of all the other stuff while watching it. It was just, no. yep. it was back to golf. And and it was really, I, I would go all the way back for me personally to the 86 Masters to think of just a moment that I just thought was so great yeah. when, when not only really even the playoff, but you know, he, he, the, how he got into the playoff mm -hmm. and then how the playoff unfolded and it was perfect. The whole tournament took me back to golf. Yeah. And the, the hope is at least for me, and I'm sure everybody here is that can kind of work into this week where we don't have to have the noise happening um, during the U.S. Open, well, I'm gonna yeah. Well, my you know my thought was that the players are the ones that can always rescue the game. Yep. Uh, when when the guys in charge now globally, 
seem to be doing everything they can to ruin it sometimes. And the players can always bring it back to what's supposed to be, which is competition for the sake of competition. And I felt great about that whole the whole four rounds and especially the ending, obviously, but I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward this week to more of the same. Totally agree. Andy. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. get I'm gonna before we go head out to LA and discuss LA, which I'm jacked up to watch watch the open. I mean, you you said it two weeks ago. I mean, the par threes there are going to be phenomenal. I digress. I'll go back to it. Here's your stage. It's your opportunity to lay the world out there for live. Merging, because it's really not a merger, but uh, the public trust fund and, and the PGA Tour, what say you? And just remember, I got no, my I, quiet please sign. I, look, I think, I think, first of all, the most interesting part of this whole thing was was why did it get forced out before they were ready, right? And I don't know that we'll ever know the reason, um, but it was clearly that was a dynamic that was going on, right? Um, and I remember waking up. Um, looking at my social media feed and saying PGA tour and live merge, right? That was the, that was the headline that was being tossed around everywhere. Um, the more you dug into it, there was a great article on SI.com. Um, they interviewed Jimmy Dunn. And for those of you that don't know who Jimmy Dunn is, he's on the PGA tour policy board, but he's the one that reached out to Yasser in the, public investment fund to begin talking about doing a deal. Um, and a couple of the things to me that are evident, you know, a week later is it's not a merge of the PJ tour and live. Um, really what they were announcing was that the public investment fund needed to, to be part of the world of men's professional golf. And now they have a seat at the table in efforts to create a new commercial entity, for-profit entity, that nobody really knows what that is and what it's gonna be um, at the end of the day. But the PJ Tour is gonna continue to operate in its nonprofit status run by Jay Monahan. Um, the DP World Tour is part of this, this you know, kind of group as well. But more interestingly, the live people who are taking victory laps and you know saying norman and phil mickelson are the smartest guys in the room i'm not really sure that's how it's going to shake out because at the end of the day in this article jimmy dunn was clear to say that jay monahan is going to be responsible for overseeing live golf now what does that mean i mean it means that live could go away totally it most definitely means Greg Norman's going away. Um, so let's just pump the brakes a little bit on the victory lap that that this was all a great victory for Live Golf. What it really was is, in my opinion anyway, the Saudi Public Investment Fund was blowing a ton of money trying to make Live Golf work, and it wasn't working. And now they're just shifting their investment somewhere else. And live could end up being a carcass on the side of the road in mm -hmm. this whole deal. So, so one week later, I have, as I'm sure BE has, other thoughts. But our guest panelists want to chime in. Yeah, so I read the same article and, and a couple other ones. And my first question was, well, who's in charge here? Right. You know what? And it, there's so much unknown right now that it's it's quite obvious that anything could happen. But the way that I looked at it, that I see it, I keep questioning, how is this a victory for Live Golf? Every every Live supporter seems to say that, and I don't see it. Because, again, it looks to me like Jay Monahan oversees Live Golf now, just like Andy said. So it seems to me that if, if that's true, he can disband Live Golf if he wants, or he can downgraded or he can change it in ways to make it unrecognizable from what it is now certainly greg norman i can't fathom that he would have a role 
Now, the flip side of all that in the anything can happen scenario is the PIF guys can get rid of Jay, you know, and so nothing would surprise me if Jay, so to speak, gets rid of Greg and then two years down the road, PIF gets rid of Jay. It, it, who knows? But um, I, I don't see it any kind of victory for Liv. And if anybody's being honest about Liv Golf, I think you've got to realize it was not successful in the ways that Live Golf wanted it to be. If you go back to their manifesto, they haven't gotten a name player since Cam Smith, which was a year ago, almost a year ago. So, yeah, they did grab off five or so, five or six big stars. They, they certainly did. Since then, you know, in, in the offseason, when you're looking for, you're looking to get a John Rahm and a, Hideki Matsuyama and Xander Shoffley, and you get players that are much, much lower name recognition and status than them. You have to be disappointed if you live. And so the way I see it, Monaghan rules right now. It'll be whatever he wants it to be. And then quite easily down the road, he could be out of the game himself, well, out of you... the position of power. If you believe the players meeting and the words coming out of that, there was a standing ovation calling for his removal. Now, granted, it was it was raw. The emotion was raw at that time. But a lot, a lot of questions. So a week later, here's my question. They're talking all about the fines and maybe giving equity to the I, I get giving equity to the new guys, the guys who are on the tour right now. Maybe that's a way you, you compensate. I'm. I'm looking at the legalities of you have a not-for-profit that's going to be part of a for-profit with other for-profits. And technically, the people that left, left the not-for-profit. So is the not-for-profit part of the profit? And how does that hey, I, whole co-mingling? I, I don't think it can be, right? So to me... Jay Monahan's the the CEO of the new entity, right? If they ever make this a reality, but the PJ Tour still exists as it was. It's a you know five hundred one c six, and he's the the chief executive, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think the interesting. But does that does that five hundred six does that have does that own the fifty one percent share? Where, where I'm going with this is. DJ left the not-for-profit entity of the tour. People are throwing around mm -hmm. fines, fines to come back, et cetera, right? What's he coming back to? He's not coming back to the tour, not that entity. Yeah, he he's is. coming back. He's coming back now. He's coming back to play in a new entity. No. Yes. We don't know. No, we don't know that. There. The, the discussion is those guys re-entering the PGA Tour, not a new entity. Now, what this new entity ends up being, who knows? But the PGA Tour is still going to be the PGA Tour, as so, we know so, it. So that's that's my, my question, and I'm going to throw it over to BE. Is, but is, and we don't know, no one knows the behind-the-scenes diagram and, and structure of the entity, but does, it, does being a PGA Tour member a requirement to be on XYZ Super Tour? I, I think it's too soon to tell. There's still – last week that was a lot of what we talked about was the initial uh, – how it was presented through the media, and we kind of agreed that we need some time to pass to see how this is all going to play out. And I think – it's going to be a long process to figure all this out, especially now with some of the things that have come come out this week with with the the federal government looking at this and you know and that that's something I touched on last week. If 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 there was concerns as there was in in the past about the PGA Tour being some some form of a, a monopoly, there's definitely going to be those questions in this scenario too. We're um, from the government and we're here to so. help. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just I think it's it's all it's all it's all speculation at this point. And I don't think 
you know, I did a story for one of the things I write for like four or five days before this all happened, talking about live versus the PGA tour. And then this broke. So they asked me to do an update to the story. And a lot of what I said was it's all speculation and it's still all speculation. So I just kind of put the facts out there as we know them to be from that SI article and from some other sources, but to, to say anything else is just, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking on, on something that we just don't know enough about. We don't, we don't even know that this new entity has anything to do with tournament golf, right? It, it could be, you know, a commercial to buy up, you know, a million golf courses or to who knows what it, what I know it, someone that can manage them. them. There you go. Just saying. <laughs> Thrown out at that. Just for the record. Yes. <laughs> and I think the only so, thing but, that we but know. But I think, again. Go ahead, Brendan. I, I think the only thing that we know now that's new is emotions have settled down just a little bit. Uh, we know that there's some kind of relationship. We know it's under some kind of investigation. And uh, the only thing speculative that I could go with is we're probably not going to see Mr. Norman for much longer after the 23 seasons over. And Mike, you know what else we know is that Rory McIlroy was removed from the presser schedule at L.A. this week. Wow. wow. Interesting. They, they avoided that 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 possibility by removing Rory from the from the press schedule. Huh. Interesting. Because it was really interesting when they put a microphone in front of him after the news last week, and he's like, "I hate live. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rory. He is my absolute favorite. But man, that, that was like a little blowback there." <laughs> You, you didn't follow the narrative. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So turning our attention, uh, Mike, have you ever played uh, L.A. Country Club? Everybody I have not. I have not. And in fact, you know, I, I know very little about it. Only what I've seen the last couple of days on on the Golf Channel showing the course. I mean, it looks fabulous. From from the vantage point of a viewer on TV, the fairways look immensely wide. Maybe that's not really the case. But, uh, you know, and, and starting starting off with what looks to be an easier par five, I think, you know, I'm wondering if it's going to be the typical two under wins or, you know, one over wins a U.S. Open. And maybe somebody's going to win this at eight or 10 or 12 under. I, I just don't know. But I'm looking forward again to the golf taking over. Uh, my pick, if you want to know that, is yeah, Tommy Fleetwood. Lost. Yeah, Tommy Fleetwood. I, I like think golf. I think last week when the playoff came, or even the final hole of regulation and then the playoff, he did become suddenly kind of not Tommy Fleetwood, who's a great ball striker, but all of a sudden the shots were kind of sketchy. And he he uh he didn't seem to seize the moment. But I do think with that experience under his belt, um I'm He's my guy this week who I'm looking to take the title. Sentimental choice. I like it. <laughs> well, look, I, I, this was an opportune time. I'm going to throw it before we dive into what the golf course is looking like from what we're hearing. Uh, Christian text right before I hit record. He wants to put out there that Scotty Scheffler is going to get it done. <laughs> Way to go out on a limb, Chris. Yeah, that's a brave. That's a brave one there. Brave is that, one. Is that yeah. his dark horse pick? Yeah, he's out. He's out there on a limb with like you know a, a twelve foot trunk. I mean, <laughs> Bobby didn't say anybody, so we're just gonna we're gonna assign people for Bob. So, <laughs> my pick. Yeah, Avalon. I, I personally think it's a bomber's golf course. I think it's a big boys golf course. To your point, Mike, the, yes, the, the fairways, they were intentionally kept wider from what I'm hearing to give multiple mm -hmm. angles and approaches into the greens. Uh, it's going to play long. Uh, we'll talk about number 11 in a second. But I just like where Havilland's game is. 
<laughs> I just I just yeah. think that I mean he's been there in both of the majors. He wins at Memorial. I I, I think this this could be the time. Andy, another out on the limb pick. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't top three. <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Max Homa. It's you know it's a California thing. Yep. He had some really good history there um, at LA Country Club, and it's his turn to break through. I think that's a good call. B. So I was going to go with Homa for the same reasons Andy was saying, you know, home game. But since you said Rory doesn't have a presser, I think that's going to take a little bit of heat off him um, that he seems to put on himself over and over again. So I think Rory, if he can stay under the radar, at least publicly, um, media-wise, I think this may loosen him up just enough to to break that that drought. But but didn't you take Rory at Augusta? I did. So why are you bringing that up? Augusta was Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I, I want to make sure I had the that correct. He Rory Rory can handle a U.S. Open much better than than the Masters. Obviously. <laughs> All right, the golf course itself. Uh, talked about the you know Mike and I talked about it, Andy. You're a Mr. Aficionado of high-quality golf properties. So, because uh, um, usually you're down hanging out at Medalist. Um, but um, what are you hearing about this? I mean, I, 78 yard par three <clears throat> preceded by a 290 yard par three. I love it. I, I think George Thomas is an unsung hero in the golf designer ranks. Um, and you know, to me, like you guys both mentioned, the fairways look really wide. I saw a couple of videos where someone was dropping a ball in the left side yeah. of the fairway and they just rolled all the way down into the right rough. So <laughs> I guess the the slope of the fairways really is as important as, as how wide they are. Um, in the six hole, for example, is that drivable par four that has a really it's like, cool it's like 325 like can, 325 with yeah. A three. yeah and you can drive it all the way up left past the hole depending on where the whole location is <clears throat> wedge it back you can hit it right and short wedge it up the green up the length i mean it's such a cool hole and i think there's a lot of that out there so i i'm a hundred percent excited for this tournament because of la country club Brendan, i'm excited for number 11 like I said, I, as I foreshadowed, 290 yards are playing it out, tipping it out as. They said because it does play downhill, that really requires only a 270 shot. And that the play is to bounce it up and roll it roll it on. Um, I also, everything I'm reading, if you miss back left, because the green, by the way, works away from you. If you miss it back left, you're making X. Wow. I, I just love seeing that type of golf being played. And we're seeing more and more of it where we have very unique holes that could, you know, swing a tournament, uh, you know, on, on the flip of a, a coin um, with the short par fours or the long par threes. Um, I'm going to ask Andy here, because I was just working on a story for next week's KPMG where uh, Tillinghouse, the Gil Hans redesign of Baldestral, um wasn't Gil Hans, part of this uh yeah. renovations at LA Country Club. He was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and I just love that these old courses are trying to be brought back after many many decades of trying to change them for what what is seen by at the time making the courses more difficult, but it always seems to come back to getting back to the roots of these designs by some of these classic designers. You're stealing my 18th hole thunder, Brendan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Baltistral does not disappoint, by the way. This New Jersey mm -hmm. section's had a few things there yeah. since the redesign. It is spectacular. Yeah, it sure so. is. All right. So uh, picks are locked. Locked in except for, B, for BB. We're going to give him um, Patrick Reed. I'm writing that down now. <laughs> there you go. 
He's got until uh, he's got until uh, Thursday morning at seven, so he can, <laughs> he can change that. But uh, right now, right now, I got a need for speed. Oh yeah, Andy, take it away. So I, I just, I, I think the world of Mike as a person, but I think the world of of what he's created with Mach three speed and it to me is is just such a unique and different approach to speed um and mike i'll i'll ask you straight up the 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 beauty of what you do lies in the approach that that you guys take the way you administer your program but how did you even begin to you know stumble upon this idea and before you get into that why don't you tell us all kind of what your philosophy is on Mach 3 and speed out front right so well what i hope hopefully i've delivered this message over the last five years is that speed is not something difficult to achieve and it's not some mystery that only the the rocket scientists in golf can solve Anybody can do it, and it's really not that hard. So our concept is called speed out in front, and what that means is basically, I don't mean the front like in, in front of my face, but the front toward the target. That's the front, toward the target. Uh, we try to create the most speed we can out in front past the ball, so not downward at the ball, but past the ball and upward and outward. And not only our speed, but our focus and our energy and our strength, everything in your mind and everything about the way your body feels is out in front. So we're not worried about the, the backswing. We're not worried about any technical aspect of the swing. It's about how you use your energy. And the way not to use your energy is to think you would go energy up into the backswing and then down at the ball and then up toward the target. It's only up. So it's out in front and up. Uh, a good analogy maybe is throwing an uppercut punch. So the important part of the uppercut is the point where your fist hits the other guy's jaw. It's not some halfway point. You're not going to throw your uppercut down and then up, right? It's only up. And that makes everything simple. So every tool that we have is geared to enhance and exploit that notion that all I need to do is get my speed out in front and, and my strength and my energy and my focus. And it makes it easy. And that's why, you know, I'm going to say our success rate is 99.9%. Uh, you know, and you've been in our program and you've seen it. It doesn't really matter what kind of group we have. It doesn't matter if it's coaches or kids or collegiate golfers or regular golfers or 10 handicaps or 30 handicaps. All those people, all those golfers walk in with speed within them already that they're not accessing. And that's what makes it easy. We don't have to change your body right away. All we got to do is show you how to find what you already have. And so I'm thrilled with how it's gone. Obviously, my timing was great. I mean, uh, I can't say that, that 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 has anything to do with me. It just so happens that when I came up with the concept everybody very shortly thereafter was realizing that this is a distance game now. It is a distance and speed and power game. And if you think about it, the bombers can quite easily match the short game of a short hitter, right? Look at Brooks Kepka. He's a bomber, but fabulous short game. Look at Rom and, and a lot of these other guys, but the short hitter can't match the bombers distance. You know, so so in modern golf, the bomber can cover both ends of the game, driving and putting and chipping much more easily than can a short knocker. He he can't get where the bomber's getting, but the bomber can match his short game skills. Mike, it's interesting because one of the challenges I have with with the juniors that I work with is um, technology is great. Right. So one of the things I've been using, it was uh sports box which andy used to be with and that opens our eyes to things that our body's not doing and the one specific thing 
for, for a lot of the kids I work with, it's just not getting open enough, not getting to the left side enough, not able to have room for the hands to come through. But it seems like the more not and not not in all cases, but the more I try to work with that and get them to change those numbers as we're looking at sports box and get more open. It almost seems counterproductive in some cases because they. They're almost on the steering wheel even more, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. what you're what you're implying seems to be something that I desperately need to get on to working with my kids um, to get them. Cause that's, that's the thing that I tell them. I try to simplify things and you may correct me if I'm wrong, but it, very simplistic is back to the target chest of the target. But I tell them that the chest of the target part and kind of just everything going towards your target is the most important part of that equation. Right. The, the finish is the most important thing that you do. It's, it should be the strongest thing that you do. So, so you used an interesting term there. You said open meaning I'm assuming uh, open to the target line, right. right? So this is how I would explain it. In the swing, our body, once it's in motion, has no relationship to an imaginary line on the ground, but it has a 100% relationship to the finish of the movement. So that's all we got to understand is where's the finish, and I'm going there with as much energy as I can on a pretty much a straight shot. I'm not going to dilly-dally around. Now, if I do that, lo and behold, if you want to call my hips open to the target line, it'll be there. Like all the things that we can measure now with technology will actually be better if we just focus on the finish and speed out in front and strength out in front. We, we, we really need to get out of what I call the backswing space and stop worrying about it. And just understand, for example, if you were to teach me any sports motion, it, like a cross-court tennis forehand, uh, how to throw a right cross, how to shoot a free throw, I want you to show me the finish first. That is the first thing I want to know. Where am I going? Because once you show me that, I'm going to intuitively get 99% of it. And then you can tinker with the rest if you want. But I need to know the finish and everybody needs to know the finish, even if they don't yet know that they need to know the finish. That is what we need to be showing people right away. Not exactly what the finish looks like, but what it feels like to be there. And, you know, poor golfers, they actually never get there. Right. They use yeah. up all their energy before they ever arrive. And so they arrive in shambles. Whereas if you look at all the best players, they are very powerful with a lot of energy at the finish. So that's what I want to know. And that's what we try to teach people right away. All right, Mike, hypothetically, I got to jump in here. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Let's just say. I have a friend. <laughs> asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend that was turned into an avatar <laughs> by another friend. Yeah. <laughs> And that avatar says that that person can only get his shoulder 69 degrees anymore, which, by the way, I'm going to come back to Brendan because this is something he said. And at the top of the backswing, his hands are maybe waist high, mm -hmm. but he's Mr. Lag. His hands are right there to a nice somewhat finish before his left hip that's broken down or left knee that's broken down gives out on him. Is there any opportunity to save my friend? Well, absolutely. So here's what we're saying. The hard way to go about this is to try to use technique to get speed. What we're going to do is use speed to create the technique. And more specifically, your commitment to creating speed out in front. My, my friends. Your friend, yeah. Okay. I'm just, I, I sort of see him sitting next to you like a, a little imaginary friend on your shoulder. So I'm actually talking to him. So I'll, I'll just shut up then. Yeah, yeah. So again, the most important thing is you to know where you're going and you're committed to creating the most speed there and not at the ball. Down at the ball is the killer. Because once you thrust your energy downward at the ball, you're going to have to work really hard to change direction with it and get to the finish. Mm -hmm. But if you had the finish in mind from the beginning, 
it wouldn't be a problem. So, so again, the commitment to speed out in front creates the technique. You're not going to think about what technique would get you more speed or practice alleged techniques that get you more speed. So let's go back to, say, a right cross in boxing. I want you to say to me, Mike, I'm going to show you how to throw a right cross, and your fist is going to come out the back of that guy's head. And then I want you to put me there. Not literally, but put me at the finish. And then so, let me revert let me reverse engineer it. Let me let me go back and forth, but starting from the finish. Because you getting stuck, that's a down energy move. That's a downward energy thing that happens. No one would ever get stuck if the first thing you showed them was a target upward, out in front, and because you're right-handed a little bit to the left. If you if we started your friend there. He'd never get stuck. <laughs> well, not with so interestingly, and I can uh, myself, you know, my friend can deal with it himself. But anyway, um, something Brendan said, which and this is old school teaching. Old, I, I worked for a, a PGA tour player at one time, and all he used to talk about was set up, set up with the hips open, club head slightly right. He had nice little draw, what have you, and fire the hands, clear clear the left side, fire the hands. Um. My friend and I were on the range recently thinking about how Hogan trying to clear the left side and with the result in mind, which I think, at least what I'm hearing is what you're saying. What's the result? The result's down down the line. The result's obviously the target. If mm -hmm. I'm if I'm not forcing the, the the downswing, allowing the transition to happen and then accelerating through with the clearing. Is that really what you're saying? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, I, I'm not exactly prob probably following your uh, thought process, but let's go to Ben Hogan. Okay. Okay. Just watch the guy. Watch the energy past the ball, right? And and go back to an uppercut again because I think it's a good good analogy. Again, you're not going to throw an uppercut down and then up. You're, you're really only thinking up. You're going to rotate and drive upward. And so, so taking away as much of the technical aspect as you can in speed training is actually a good thing. Starting at the finish as often as you can is a really good thing. We have a lot of drills where, where you'll be in the finish position and then swing back and through. Then get back in the finished position, swing back and through, because you're actually creating the most efficient path that way. And once you're traveling on the most efficient path, you're faster. That's what efficiency is. Efficiency is speed and speed is efficiency. So really, that's what we're doing. We're not trying to use exertion or technique or explosiveness or amount of effort we're just trying to be efficient by identifying the finish and going right at it. Not only that, but we go we go to it and we come from it. So a backswing, for example, normally you think of that as coming from the ball. If you were thinking of the backswing being pulled from a point, let's say 50 yards and 50 yards in front of you, it's actually going to create a little bit different move or call it a little bit different technique. It's going to be wider and it's going to be uh, lacking any wasted motion. And you're going to come from there and go back to there with no wasted motion, more efficient, more speed. So really, we, we, we have to be willing in Mach 3 to say, hey, let's forget about technique. Let's forget about any anything that I think I'm supposed to do. The guy told me to get my speed out in front and that's what I'm going to do. And when you do that, it doesn't matter what you're measuring. It's going to be better because it's more efficient, whether it's a pressure shift, whether it's a hand path, whether it's body rotation. It's not going to matter. When you measure it, it'll be better because it's more efficient. You hear that, Andy? You hear that, Andy? I, no I, would, <laughs> I would say that in all the discussions I've ever had with Mike, I've never heard him say that that 
speed creates technique, not technique creates speed. And I think that that is the essence of Mach 3. And all of the Mach 3 programs are done with, with these custom-made tools that Mike's designed. And it's just incredible. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. And Alan, your friend would be perfect for for this sort of I'll, of I'll ring I'll ring him up. How do I find him? But in, in the sense, well, you can go to mock3speedtraining.com. Thank you so much. And uh it's mock the number three speedtraining.com, by the way. Um, but just to finish my point, I think what's really interesting, I think about your swing and your lag that you get into early in your backswing is really focused down at the ball. And if you start focusing out in front and up toward the finish, that whole structure will change. So that whole gibberish that Mike couldn't understand because I was talking both sides of my mouth, yeah. that's what I was attempting to do. I'm trying yeah. to think about just target awareness, clearing the left side, and, and just swinging the club. But so think Mark about this, Alan. Alan, if if you were a brand new golfer, and the first thing we did when you came into the gym is we had a a target out in front, and we put you there at the finish, and we never mentioned the ball, and just said, "Look, this is where you're going. Now turn back. No, go back to it. Turn back. Go back to it. You're going to develop an efficient path right off the bat." And from that moment on, there's certain things that would never happen. For example, no way in hell would you ever come over the top. If the first thing I showed you was you got to be out in front and up and a little to the left, and you identified it, you would never come over the top. Why? Because it doesn't match up to the destination I just showed you. You would never get stuck because that doesn't match up to the destination. If I showed you the ball as a destination, then all of those things and many more can happen. But if we get you out in front from the beginning with your focus, you'd never you'd never do any of the classic swing flaws because they wouldn't make sense. Man, I got to hook you up with son number two. Tyler is just a big beast and can kill it and just gets locked down on things. He would yeah. my 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 young my my middle kid would benefit from this immensely. Yeah, so the easiest person to work with in Mach three is is an empty headed lunk. Yeah, like that's what right? I said. A, a guy who a guy who just doesn't a guy who just doesn't no, have I don't mean that Tyler. <laughs> a, a guy who just doesn't have a lot of swing thoughts. They're easy. It's almost too easy. Now a guy who is very technical and, and can't let go of it. They can be a little more of a challenge, but the more open-minded they are, the faster it'll happen because I could show you stacks of screenshots where golfers went from pure crap to a great looking swing in the span of three or four minutes. Once you show them speed out in front, everything changes, not because you taught them something new, but you gave them a new destination. The ball is not the finish line. And in fact, it's not even the starting line. You could think of it as the starting line. Let's let's call it a foot past the ball as the starting line. And then the finish line is up at the end of the swing. If you're considering the ball as a finish line, then all kinds of crap happens because you're using your energy up too soon and you're driving down. But it, golf is an up sport. Just like throwing a discus or a shot put or a javelin None of those would ever throw the implement. They never look like they're about to throw the implement into the ground, right? It's all up. And golf is an up sport. It just so happens that the club head travels on an arc and passes through the ball, which is on the ground. But the energy that you're sending needs to be not down and then up. It needs to be only up. Is that and the once you Go ahead. I was just going to ask, is that the disconnect with our sport then, that the ball is stagnant on the ground as opposed to just about every other sport where you initiate with your body the movement, um, throwing a football? I think, it's because, I think it's because instruction starts with 
Yeah, everything is in relation to the ball. Right. Think about baseball. It's much easier, actually, for a baseball player because you don't know where the pitch is going to be, right? So you really don't get taught from the beginning relating all your movements to a stationary object. Right. Uh, I know that when I was a kid, my dad would pitch to me for hours and make my poor sister shag balls in the outfield. And he would say from the very beginning, hit it right back at me, hit it right back at me. So, so that gives me a target that's 60 feet away out in front. Right. And that worked great until I nailed him in the shin. And then <laughs> that sort of changed the mode of instruction, but that's a really good analogy. Okay. Here's, here's little Mikey and his, he's being told your target is 60 feet out in front of you. So it's easier then for me to develop a swing that comes flying through. Now you go to golf and you've got the ball sitting there and, and everybody's teaching you movements that are oriented to that. But guess what? It's not even the starting line, right? So if we put somebody at the finish right away and orient everything to that point, forward, upward, out in front, then the movement matches up to that and nobody would get stuck and nobody would come over the top and nobody would take it drastically inside and nobody would over tilt one way or the other. You just wouldn't do those things. You're only going to do what's necessary to get to the point that you've already identified as the finish area. And, and again, the beauty and the genius really of Mach 3 is that there's no verbal do this, do that, do that. There's nothing. No. It's all about intention. It's all about focus and and the changes that it makes it, it's incredible i've seen it with my own eyes um, yeah so the the when i first came to san antonio i was working with lots of kids in two different junior academies and one kid said to me you're weird and okay. i said why am i weird he said you only ever say two things faster out in front stronger at the finish he goes is that the only words you know I go, shut up, faster out in front. <laughs> but really, that's that's all there is to it. There is, in, in Mach 3, the less we say, the better. Once we've shown you the finish and, and given you good tools, now that's really important. You got to have good tools that allow you to feel what it feels like to get there really strong. Once that's done, there's nothing to say. There really isn't anything to say. And, and you got to be able to accept, wow, like I did it. I just went up seven miles an hour. It really works. Now I got two choices. Do I want to just accept that and let's roll ahead? Or do I want to try to complicate it? You know, do I want to be one of the golfers that got taught golf when they were 15 and then they're 65 years old and they're still trying to figure out how to swing? How can that happen? I learned mm -hmm. how to drive a car in one day. You're going to tell me I could take 50 years to try to figure out how to swing a stick? Yeah. So again, for our, for our listeners, it's Mach 3, M-A-C-H, the number three, speedtraining.com. All the tools are on there. There's some great digital programming on there as well. Um, it's really, it's the best speed training program out there. It's the most unique and it's the most effective. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're uh, very happy to have, had a chance to talk about it, Mike, and happy to have you on. And, and Mike, uh, my friend will report back to you on uh, when you come back on as far as, you know, the progress being made and set up. <laughs> that would be great. How will I recognize him? Uh, um, <laughs> he'll probably have a hat on that day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We... Andy. Yes. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. So, so, we all saw it. I mean, Adam Hadwin going to congratulate his buddy for breaking the, the Canadian jinx for all those years. And there's a security guard, policeman, whatever you want to call it, was dialed in just waiting to make sure that, that you know, Adam Hadwin wasn't able to spray champagne on his buddy. So uh, <laughs> sometimes people just need to step back enjoy the moment, let people do what they do. So uh, yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> All right, final thoughts, Brendan Elliott, what you got? 
Um, I am hopeful for this week to continue the trend that that Nick Taylor set last week about watching the game and enjoying the game being played versus some of the nonsense that we've dealt with for the last two years. So that's my hope this week. And I want to thank Mike, too, for kind of putting something in my head uh, or reconfirming some thoughts that I had but never was really able to kind of say it correctly to my students. So I do want to talk to you offline about yeah, how sure. we can – how we can do this because it's just it's just a fascinating concept. It's simplified, and I think it's uh, it's, it's a good thing for helping people enjoy the game. Great, thanks, Andy. Yeah, so Brendan kind of touched on this earlier, but I'm sticking with my guns here. Um, and again, it gets back to the events and venues are the stars of professional golf, right? And the coolest thing about the masters is that we get to to know augusta intimately and get to see it you know in its in its rare form every year but equally cool is the u.s open where they continue to rotate venues and we get to see a place like la country club and again really where i wanted to go with this is is there's been a commitment of people of historians of you know, renovation specialists that have done this for years, taken the old, beautiful golf courses, returned them to their, you know, initial state, um, the way that they were intended to play and all things being considered, golf is so different now anyway. But I, I just think it's awesome that people care enough to try and and go back and, and get that feeling um of the way those golf courses were intended and to to see the beauty of you know the donald rosses the george thomases the tillinghouse the mckenzie's it's just a, a rare treat so i think we're all going to be able to to really watch that and and enjoy la north this week agreed mike got any final thoughts i'm going to refine my prediction i'm going with tommy fleetwood in a stretch duel with shane lowry Ooh, that would be great. Ooh. And, you know, I'm just glad. I, I hope that this course brings out some of the ground game. I mean, that's what golf really is missing in the modern era. And, I agree. and that's why, uh, like, take a course like Congressional, who a couple years ago basically took down every tree on the golf course, just like Oakmont once did. And that's what they're trying to do, they're trying to bring back some elements of the ground game, which is how the game is supposed to be played. And it's a better game that way. So hopefully this week, and again, I'm not that familiar with the course, but I hope I see, you know, a, a lot of that, like holes where you can bounce it on, roll it on, uh, and do things other than just put it up high in the sky and let it come down like a parachute. I'm, I'm looking forward, before I get to my, my final thought, I'm looking forward to their teeing actually off on the putting green. They're converting the putting green to the first tee. And you, like you said, it's it's going to be a reachable par five right out of the gate. Right. I mean, you could see guys then walk into two already two under. Right. Should be, should be a, and I'm sure the USGA has a way to bring them back to level, but uh, this should be a great open looking forward to it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Hovland winning in the end. But my real question is in this world of discussion about corporations and mergers and, Everything corporate golf, I want to acknowledge what I think has been a real miss for the upcoming U.S. Open. You want to, Andy? Do you want to ask what? Alan, what what's the miss? I want to know why Hooters and John Daly did not take over the Playboy, Playboy Mansion during mass <laughs> or during the U.S. Open week. That's a great I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave our entire show on that note. I just want to know. Some things are better left undone. <laughs> You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, 
be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member Alan DePew today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.